Can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. In five, four, three. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceilings does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Peddling Fiction Podcast Friday Live Edition. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. And back with me before he jets out on, uh, I forget exactly what you're, what you're doing, some other hillbilly shit for the weekend, is the hillbilly boy Campbell. Justin is his first name. Where are you off to? Uh, I'm actually not doing, hill- well, I guess, kind of hillbilly shit. I'm heading to uh, Michigan and uh, going to go to the Michigan-Purdue game with my buddy Mark Metz tomorrow. Oh, yeah, that's relatively normal. You're not doing any uh, weird stuff with goats or chickens. Nope, nope, not not vacationing out into the mountains for a week and a half or anything crazy. Just uh, just going to a football game. Last year, uh, last year Mark came down here and stayed the night with us, and then he and I drove down to Starkville, and Tho Bishop and his brother drove up from Florida to Starkville, and we went to the Mississippi State Georgia game, which was a hell of a time. I mean, it was incredible. We we spent the day in Starkville. Uh, went to eat and and then we went to the game it was for uh like october in mississippi it was incredibly cold we it was like freezing rain and got down into the 30s but it was it was a lot of fun it was a great game uh so anyway on the way on the way back from that game uh mark and i were talking i was like you know i'm a big mississippi state fan so that's why like i i wanted to go to a state game and then it worked out that though and his brother are big georgia fans and and they were willing to come up and meet us if, so i got tickets for all of us um so on the way back i was like you know we went to a state game I'm like you're a big michigan fan next year that should be what we do is go to a michigan game so so we got tickets for for the michigan purdue game and uh, we're gonna go do that all right got a nice little tradition getting started yeah that's i would uh i would really like to make this a, a yearly thing pick even if we don't go to state or michigan just pick a ball game and go to a game somewhere like that uh yeah and having friends the cool thing about this online community of friends we've got is you know having friends in other parts of the country like maybe take maybe take a trip to georgia and go see a a game at georgia because i have plenty of friends there uh got friends in florida like all over the place i think i i really want to turn this into an annual like get more people involved and, and go see football games and stuff. And, and just meeting, meeting our online community in person is really a lot of fun and really cool. I mean, that I enjoyed hanging out with you. <laughs> oh, everybody does. 
I'm a great time. <laughs> no, I, I will say that um, traditions are very important. I wish I had more of these annual traditions that I used to have. It, it seems to have gotten a lot more difficult um, as people spread out and get families going and things like that. But yet yeah, also the, uh, I never thought I would actually meet people that I'd only known online before that just going back to the early days of the internet, which is where, you know, if you're old enough, like me to remember that kind of shit, like it was just never going to happen. You weren't going to meet somebody online in like a chat room and meet with them because you'll end up on uh Dateline <laughs> or whatever. Like you'll either be you'll either be the guy knocking at the door on Dateline or you will be the guy answering the door well, on Dateline. It, it's it's really it's really neat. I guess since COVID, getting getting involved in this. So my wife and I, there's a Mises Institute meetup in uh, Birmingham, Alabama every year around april and so my wife and i've we've gone to that i've gone three years in a row and she's gone with me two years in a row so that's kind of become our one of our annual things and uh pete quinonas and a bunch of other like podcasters and stuff are always there at that every year and then this year i had some buddies that i do other stuff with who came into birmingham and met us there so i got to hang out with other people like uh went to a, a thing out at buck johnson's place a couple years ago and got to meet Buck and uh, Scott Horton. And uh, it's just been, I highly recommend for those who are like audience members and, and who engage regularly on online with each other, like go meet your friends. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's like you said, it's, it's nice to have contacts all around the country. If you're bigger all around the world, you, you never know when you're going to to end up there or need somebody somebody's advice or help there so yeah keeping a keeping a big a network not necessarily a big network but a network of capable people who are good people uh it's it's very important and it's why it's one of the reasons why government attacks it with all of its fucking policies and all of its energy it's all designed to destroy these things destroy traditions destroy the family structure, which historically has been what people relied on uh, to destroy networks that you have with with people. Yeah, they just they do not want that is how you get around uh, dependence on the government is ha is keeping good company. I, I forget what the, you, you're the sum of like the five people that you spend the most time with or something like that. So like don't spend time with fucking losers, first of all, <laughs> and then. Yeah, build out a fucking network of people that you can rely on, people you trust, people that um, you can help and that can help you if, if uh, you know, shit hits the fan, which inevitably it will in some way, shape or form. Like there's going to be a fucking problem that you're going to go through and you might need help from uh, from the people around you. And if if you're hanging out with people that are either unwilling or incapable of of helping you out it's like i don't know why you're really hanging out with them uh it's speaking of uh one of my online friends recently moved right across the river in illinois and things aren't working out really well and has and is considering and probably in the next month or so going to move across 
the river into Evansville and has been asking me for advice on like, where's a good part of town and stuff like that. Cause I've lived here for shit, 11 years. It's hard to believe I've been here for that long, but you know, asking for advice and stuff. And, and then, you know, whenever she finally does decide to move, if she needs help, I can take my truck and, and help move and stuff. Like it's, you never know when you're going to end up somewhere that you uh, didn't expect to. And it's cool to have people there. Yeah. I'm just shocked that it's not working out in Illinois. I mean, they're just, they're just doing such a great job over there. <laughs> all, all green lights. As far as the eye can see, it just looks like it's headed down the right path. Smooth sailing ahead. You know what her number one concern is? I, I thought it would be the taxes being as high as they are, but apparently she was somewhere uh, close to the DC area before moving here. So the taxes weren't all that appalling. It was the, um, it's the gun regulations and especially the way they're tracking ammo purchases and stuff now so like there's a lot of uh (laughs) there's a lot of stuff that they look at with your gun and ammo purchases in illinois that uh are very concerning (laughs) that's interesting uh yeah i haven't i haven't bought ammo there in a long time um, i'm probably on some sort of list based on my previous purchases but (laughs) that that's even more so because she's not she wasn't in the city right she wasn't in like chicago city limits or like cook county or something like she was way outside there so you think they get a little more lax with that stuff once you get out of that county but man you never know uh, what 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 the whole state's gonna do i mean it's not that much different then right i mean it's Uh, even though even though this end of illinois is a lot more conservative and not nearly like Chicago and and the northern part of the state, it's still state laws. And at the end of the day, the police are going to enforce the law because that's what they're being paid to do. (laughs) And sadly enough, most of them are, uh, regardless of how they feel about it personally, they're still going to do their job. Isn't it amazing? Like, and the amount of boot look, licking that goes on with law enforcement. It's like, dude, these are the people that are going to enforce all the gun laws that you're worried about. It's like, ah, oh, no, they're cops. They get it. It's like, well, no. I mean, maybe they get it, but the ones that wouldn't enforce it will not be the cops that are there when they act, when it comes time to actually like go door to door or whatever your biggest fear is. Like, they'll be gone and they'll have a bunch of new cops in there because that's, I mean, like, that's who they're going to get. You're not going to have a bunch of people that are going to rebel when you try to give orders. You're going to get the, we're just following orders, people. It it always kills me when you see somebody, like, and usually it's somewhere like where I live, somebody driving a big-ass truck with a uh, Gadsden flag and a thin blue line flag right thin on top of line. each other, yeah. on, the, on yeah. the, like, stickered on the uh, on their rear rear windshield. It's like... Who do you think is going to be doing the treading? <laughs> yeah, I know. So it's so funny. And like, don't they see the memes like making fun of them? <laughs> I feel like if there was a meme making fun of me constantly for being retarded, I would see it eventually and then maybe adjust my behavior accordingly or rethink my position on something. But nope. Like, oh, maybe maybe the police aren't necessarily the greatest thing if i'm wanting to uh, not be treaded tread on probably not that not not a whole lot of uh, other groups doing more treading than than the police they're pretty good at that hmm what do you want to start with today 
Let's do the uh, Sam Bankman Freed stuff. Let's get that out of the way. So I don't have to think about this. Speaking of uh, retards, slobby, slob fucking fat retards. Here we go. Somehow this guy swindled billions of dollars from people. I still can't get over it. I can't get over Like, just look at this guy. I wouldn't give him a dime of my money for any reason. I don't care. Where did he go? Which did he go to Harvard or something? I forget which Ivy League school he went to. Yeah, it was one of them. Either Harvard or Yale. Yeah. So anyway, um, he's he's faced charges and guilty on all. Was it seven counts? I think it yep. was seven counts of. I mean, everything from uh, fraud to money laundering, uh, wire fraud, like all kinds. Of, you know, if if you do one transaction, this is what's kind of. I don't really care about his situation, but just in general with all the banking laws and stuff that they have on the books now, if you do one thing, like one transaction, they can get you with numerous charges. And it's like you did the, you sent money, like international wire fraud, wire fraud, domestic wire. Like they're just going to fucking slam you like six ways from fucking Sunday. But yeah, he's uh, facing, I think up to 150 years or something like that in prison. They haven't done the sentencing yet, but uh, yeah, if you if you can read some of those details, they're kind of hard for me to see. So we get for the people that are not watching live. Oh, you're muted. <laughs> Oops, my bad. Uh, he was charged with seven counts, including wire fraud, money laundering, and securities fraud in connection with FTX's spectacular implosion last year. Uh, the trial, which progressed far more quickly than the anticipated run through Thanksgiving, has presented a stark transformation of the STX founder from a crypto genius to an alleged criminal mastermind as prosecutors and defense attorneys spar over the truth behind FTX's collapse. The 31-year-old MIT graduate and son of two legal, uh, Stanford legal scholars has pleaded not guilty and will appeal the uh, verdict. Yeah, he it's up to 100, or I think it's a little over 100 years as is what he's potentially facing. Uh, interestingly enough, in all of the evidence and everything that they're looking at and talking about with this whole uh, fraud scheme and everything else that was going on, nobody's saying anything about the $70 million that he donated to Joe Biden's campaign. Yeah. Or I, I've I've seen forty percent of Congress receive donations from from him. I wonder and, which forty percent that was. Yeah, well, they have a chart here. I can look at it. Let me see. <laughs> it's, yeah, that that just seems to go by the wayside. And even though, like, I think he's on tape bragging that he's like one of the reasons, like he's the main reason Joe Biden's in office. Uh, Debbie. Stabna? Stabna? I don't know who that is. Uh, she's got the biggest donation. It's over 25000 Um, Alex Padilla. Margaret Hassan. Hakeem Jeffries. Josh Gothheimer. Kristen Gil Gillibrand. Some of these names are sounding familiar to people. Um, Sean Patrick Maloney, Ruben Gallego, Joe Manchin. 
So it looks like uh, there's like a standard, maybe a standard five thousand dollar thing that he did most of the time, because all those all those names I just rattled off were five thousand, and those were all Democrats. There are three Republicans on that list, and then it keeps going. There's like ten more people. I'm not going to read all the names because that's kind of boring. But uh, Debbie Stabenow, 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 Stabenow. I don't know how to fucking say that name, but she got over twenty five thousand. So I don't know what she did to get uh, more than five times what everybody else did. <laughs> uh, and then Susan Collins, Republican, got the, the second biggest donation of like, looks like about 17,000, something like that. Okay. Um, all, all fucking stolen money. And he did a bunch of other shady shit. Like after he got caught, he like drained everybody's account. I need to like brush up on the detail because he was doing some really crazy shit and he had two different, he had the, um, he had like the investment uh, wing of his, of a company. And then he had his crypto wing and he was taking money from, uh, from the crypto wing to sh to shore up his investment books. And then, yeah, like after he got busted, like $10 billion just evaporated from customers accounts. <laughs> like, he fucking took he stole like he straight up just stole the last of it before the whole ponzi scheme collapsed oh yeah he spent 30 million on a penthouse in the bahamas 16 million on his parents home uh all kinds of all kinds of like massive massive expenditures over over the course of the whole thing yeah, and there's a there's a chart you can, if you want to pull it up real quick just for a visual. We don't have to go through it. I just sent it to you. Um, yeah, I, I hope he gets the fucking the maximum. I mean, they tend to make examples out of these white collar criminals, except for the fact that he seems to have a lot of uh, friends in high places these days because he was doing a lot of bidding for the Democrats and helping people get elected which is why it's a little surprising that a this this trial went through so quickly like you said they kind of fast tracked it and b that just guilty on all accounts he can appeal well, it i think they were the biden victory defense fund right up there at the top mhm mm yeah and this is like you know this is that the whole big money pump was it was like Bankman Freed fucking rips people off, sends money to Democrats. The Democrats send it to Zelensky over in Ukraine. And then that money comes back to Democrats through the, like they had this whole fucking money pump going. And we're just not going to get to the bottom of it. He's just going to be, it, yeah, maybe it just dies with him, which is why they're throwing the, yeah. He gets the, he falls on his sword. He gets the fucking, he gets punished. They get away with everything. Nobody else seems to care about uh, what was happening with all this money, just that he ripped off customers. Which, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I thought we had all these um, government regulations in place to prevent fraud. Yeah, that was the whole point of everything that they did post-recession. Uh, I'm telling you that, like, there's just no way that if if we didn't have, like, uh, all of these rating agencies and the SEC and all this stuff, if it was just a complete, unadulterated free market, nobody gives that guy a fucking dime. I, I couldn't, like, 
you you go into a fucking meet. First of all, he's not an impressive person, just in general. Even though at MIT, okay, maybe he's like a fucking genius when it comes to coding and stuff like that. But he's a fucking. He looks like a fucking slob. Never puts himself like get a goddamn haircut or something if you want to take if you want me to give you millions of dollars to fucking manage. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And there's just. I think people would be a lot more discerning. They'd um, do a little more research before just handing over money to this guy to manage, to invest in his crypto thing. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like the just the fact that people give government way too much credit for how competent they are based. I, I don't know what it's based on, not historical performance. <laughs> it's like... I, I love that the, they make you every time you talk about investing, it's like, yeah, just I have to say this. Otherwise, they'll arrest me. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Uh, when it comes to government, it absolutely is. Look at their past performance and it, I guarantee you the future results will be very similar to that. <laughs> so I don't know why people have so much faith in these government organizations to weed this stuff out. I mean, Bernie Madoff operated. Uh, right under their noses and they investigated him for exactly what they ended up getting him for years before they actually the the whole ponzi scheme collapsed and the only reason they found out about that was because of the 2008 financial crisis it wasn't like oh they got their shit together and they figured out that he was running the the second biggest ponzi scheme after the federal government no no they missed it completely even after directly auditing him they still missed it so I, I don't understand, like this just gives people a false sense of security and they end up not doing their due diligence. They end up uh, falling for a lot more of these schemes because it just seems like, oh, well, with everything that we have in place, are these guys really going to be scammers? And then, of course, this guy, wasn't he like getting all kinds of rosy fucking press? He's in all kinds of magazines. I think Jim Cramer, <laughs> some of the funniest things are like the old Jim Cramer tweets. Um, I don't know if I sent you any of those. They're so funny. It's like, oh, FT, FTX is going to fucking, he's innocent of all these charges. Very fucking bullish. And then, of course, he's guilty of everything. Running a huge Ponzi scheme. Jim Cramer's ability to call things is its unbelievable. It's second to none. I had to have, let me see if I can find that. But I don't know. Any other thoughts on, on this Bankman Freed guy? No, I don't. I don't really have a whole lot of it. It's amazing how how much they knew about it. Like going back and having kind of kept up with it when it was happening. Like the amount of knowledge that they had about what he was doing before they ever did anything about it, and and like kind of were allowing him like. There was speculation that he would never be brought in, that he would uh, end up like fleeing, and because he was staying, he was staying somewhere, might have been in the in the Bahamas, but like he was he was not stateside at the time when it all went down, and there was speculation that he was going to end up like fleeing or something, and they knew where the fuck he was, and instead of going to get him, they're just like, oh yeah, it's a good chance he's probably going to make a run for it. It's going to yeah, be they, a shame we may never get right. him. It's like they were taking why, sweet why ass aren't time you going then? <laughs> Like I don't know, it was just it was kind of it was kind of crazy the the way the whole thing unraveled, and then and then to see it end up playing out the way it has because I mean 
there was a lot of speculation that he would never see jail time, that he would never be held accountable for any of this. Um, he tried to, he tried to hamstring his girlfriend into, or, and make it seem like she was responsible for all of it, which she, she played a part, but, uh, apparently she's, um, she kind of crossed her eyes and dotted her T's and covered her ass with a lot of stuff and was able to show where he had directly, uh, pointed her to do a lot of the things that she did. So while she is definitely not innocent in the whole thing, she was doing a lot of it at his direction and doing what he doing what he wanted her to do. So yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting. Yeah. He he's a, a pure fucking scumbag. And if you had paid any attention to to him before he got busted if you saw any of the articles that they were writing, he was saying, Oh, like, I don't even care about getting rich. Like, I just want to get rich so that I can give all my money away and give it to charity. And he was saying all these like fucking, all the things that the left eats up that socialists eat up. Like he wasn't really about capitalism about, it's about getting money from the rich and giving it to the poor. Yada, yada. And it was all bullshit, but they ate it up like with a fucking spoon. And they were singing this guy's fucking praises. How many people, gave him money because of the rosy coverage he got in the press. And I'm guessing it was a lot because, yeah, they had all these like fucking slob slob fests over him and how, you know, he was the next. Uh, what did they uh, fuck? Who did they compare him to? God damn it. There was one huge. Uh, it was a magazine cover. And they compared him to like some huge philanthropist or like some. Some billionaire, you know, great guy, whatever. And I'm drawing a blank now. But anyway, yeah, uh, he looks to me like a scumbag. Just on its face. I was like, yep, yep, scumbag, not trusting him. And then, yeah, when they come out and they say, oh, yeah, I don't care about I'm not doing this to get rich while like, he's flying around in private jets and buying 30 million dollar fucking condos. OK, yeah. Uh, forgive me if I don't buy that bullshit i mean who believes that it's ridiculous well and they're the mainstream media and all of the big government cronies prop up somebody like that and, and sing his praises and while they're getting huge amounts of money back from him in varying different ways while the average american uh can't even pay their bills if you're looking at uh this woman's budget for the month. Yeah, this was interesting. <laughs> so uh, I guess there's a couple ways we could approach this. We could take it at face value that this is a real budget and we can, we can go through it like that. Some of these numbers look, I don't know. It doesn't say where she's from. And it also doesn't say like what year this <laughs> there's like, there's no date on it, but um, this is a, a monthly bill uh, monthly bills that some chick wrote up she's got two kids she's divorced uh her income is she's making three thousand a month after taxes and she, she says she says she makes twenty dollars an hour and works 40 hours a week so if we're to believe that the three thousand dollars a month is after taxes then that means she's only paying roughly two hundred dollars a month in taxes that that's what is that that's an insanely low percentage like how is she how is she managing to avoid paying 20 to 40 percent in taxes yeah well so there's that 
Um, she gets $400 a month in child support, claims her ex doesn't uh, disclose all of his income. So See, she's pulling thirty. That's a bull, that's a bullshit line in and of itself. That's her saying he deserve or he should be paying me more because I squeezed out a couple kids. I might be salty on that topic. We won't we won't go there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, well, I I mean I kind of had a a similar but a little different reaction to that. Um, I don't like this. Uh, like the sense of entitlement. Like he should be giving me this. Because like he's not declaring all his income, like that bothers me. But I mean, for me, for my two kids, I'm gonna give them more than four hundred bucks a month in child support as a dad. Not because I'm fucking ordered to by the court, um, because I feel like it's my responsibility. <laughs> like four hundred bucks a month for two kids seems a little light to me. Right, and that's where you hit this stuff at the bottom. It's like kids need new coats. School snacks, school field trip. Uh, kids want to play ball. Like, I'm covering all that stuff. That's that's my job as a dad, right? Like, <clears throat> yeah, uh, the extra stuff not in the budget, especially like the sports stuff. Yeah, um, school snacks. You need forty bucks. I'm, get the fuck out. No, they're just not having snacks. How about that? Like, there's a lot in this bill in this thing where it's just like, all right, lady. Like, here here's a couple of things that can save you a lot of money. So she's pulling in thirty four hundred. Her expenses are what thirty three twenty five, so she's got an extra seventy five bucks a month apparently. Uh, her rent for a three bedroom, two bath is twelve hundred. That's a crazy deal to me. Um, I hate, I shudder to think what that apartment actually looks like if that's a real amount. Um, the utilities are three hundred bucks a month. Now this is when you really need a man in the house to control that fucking thermostat because th dude, three hundred a month is crazy to me. That seems too high for an apartment. Yeah, like like turn have... off the fucking lights. How about that? Like I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Like my my fucking utility bills were maybe half of that in the winter, <laughs> like you know, in Chicago. I mean, granted, if it's today, I know things have gone up, but there's got to be some some wiggle room with the utilities to get those down. It's Phone and saying. internet one twenty five. Child care before and after school is 200. That seems light. Food, 600. Car note, 300. Gas, 200. It, car insurance, 200. Health insurance, 200. Payroll deduction. Now, see, that's if your health insurance is payroll deducted, then that should be included I, in this, you know, at the, the top tax after taxes and stuff. So right. That, you I'm, I'm thinking that maybe she yeah. has like a. A health savings account set up or something in addition to the i don't know that just seems because odd. yeah that should be included um well either way um he, here's the thing like you have to kids need new coats laundry supplies cleaning supplies are getting low like dude there's there's just things that you have to do if you're in this situation, one, I would say, uh, work more than 40 hours a week. That's not that much. That's like the bare minimum to be considered a full-time employee. I think it's 37.5 hours. Okay. So like for me, if I only had 75 bucks at the end of the month extra, I'm like, shit, I got to work more. 
Now, maybe she can't get the hours at that job, which is why when you look at these jobs reports and we go through them, people are taking on second jobs, third jobs. Like that does suck. I, I get it. I'm not saying it's easy, you know, for people out there. And these are the the people we talk about struggling because of Bidenomics and all, all of these fucking things. I mean, her biggest, one of her basic, biggest expenses is probably taxes, but like you just got to, you got to work more. I'm sorry, 40 hours a week is not that much. It just isn't. And if you're only pulling in an extra 75 bucks after expenses, you got to you got to work more. Well, that's the crazy thing is you see all these you see all these idiot kids like fresh out of college complaining about the nine to five. Did we did we do that video? The two the two videos. Of the, so like yeah. you see all these idiot kids complaining about the nine to five. And like if you're if you're just working nine to five the fuck are you doing like that's you're you're not getting anywhere like that like i i have i've never made anywhere close to minimum wage i've always made significantly more uh, good money even even at my lowest i was still making decent money and i've never worked less than 50 hours a week i i can't like what where where are you going where that you're doing you know that you're only working 40 hours a week Right. You're going to be treading water, essentially. Like that's as, as far as you're going to get. You're never going to really get ahead. Even if you talk to people that are making good money, they'll say, oh, I'm working like 60 hour, 80 hour weeks, things like that. And I was always like, ah, dude, that sounds like bullshit. But, it, you know, it may or may not be somewhere in there, but it's more than 40. 40 hours a week is like go what government employees do. You, you work the bare minimum. You do 37.5 hours. You clock in, you clock out, that's it. And you've got a pension to fall back on, at least you think you do. Um, Yeah, like you just, I'm sorry, like the nine to five thing, that's over. Like that was two generations ago. You worked nine to five and you supported a family of four or five on one salary. Your wife stayed home, raised the kids made a nice home for them, dinner, cooked, cleaned, all that shit. Um, that's gone. That's gone because they've destroyed the value of the dollar. The women have to enter the workforce now to try to make ends meet. And you're not working a nine to five and getting ahead anymore. You're just not. The, the, the world has changed. So yeah, 40 hours a week is the bare minimum, I would say. I was work, yeah, when I worked like part-time, I was like coming close to that. You know, like part-time after school, I was probably getting 30 plus hours a week. You know what I mean? Like just work a couple hours after school and then a full Saturday, a full Sunday. And you're, you're, you're almost working as much as she's. Now I get it. She's got two kids. She's also divorced. Like, why did you get divorced? another thing like uh, people are are just so quick to give up on things like the divorce rate to me is just shocking like half of marriages end in divorce and then you do this well it's just like well i don't know maybe you shouldn't have gotten divorced i and like i said i have no i have none of the details maybe he was like a you know a true abusive piece of shit or something but it's like some of these situations where it's just like, oh, I'm like kind of unhappy or something. <laughs> and so I'm going to get divorced now because like I, I can be one of these like successful career women. Yeah. You know, whatever bullshit messaging they're getting. But it's like, well, I don't know. You got two kids to think of now. It's not just about you and your happiness. And you kind of made this bet. Maybe you need to stick it out. 
in the marriage just for the sake of your kids. Yeah. And that shit's tough, but I mean, fuck, I did it for eight years. <laughs> right. And like, if it's going to put you in a situation where it's like, all right, I'm only going to have $75 left over <laughs> spending money at the end of the month. Like maybe, maybe I need to rethink this, um, divorce situation. But like I said, that's, that's a little more complicated. There's a lot of details we don't have there. Just taking this, this list of bills at face value She's making a couple of big mistakes. Uh, another one is having a car payment of $300 a month. Can't do it. Uh, you, you should not be borrowing money to buy a depreciating assets when you have no money. <laughs> like your car payment, 300 bucks. Like, no, no. You either buy a car that you can afford cash or you're taking the fucking bus to work. I mean, yeah, it sucks. So make more money work harder. Like, don't just write the, write this down on a piece of paper and expect me to fucking have all this sympathy for you. Stop being poor. Yes. Stop being poor. No, but like you got to bust your ass then. I'm sorry. Like, and people are like, Oh, well she probably qualifies for like snap and welfare. And she probably does depending on where she's living. But that again, not the answer. The, the government wants you like that. That's why they take half of your shit. And then they're like, yeah, we'll give you, you qualify for this program now because you don't right, well, make enough money. If she does qualify for the program, use it. Use it to right. get yourself out of that hole. Use it to get rid of that car payment. Use it to get rid of, you know, one of these things. You, you know. Yeah, absolutely. If the system, if, if the system is set up in a way that you can take advantage of it, I mean, it's your fucking tax dollars that are going into supporting that system. If you can take advantage of it and get something out of it, that it's a it, you're a bad business person if you don't. So do it, get your money out of it, and use that to then in turn make a better situation for yourself. It, like, um, like there's a lot of the, people talk about the farm subsidies and stuff like that, and and farmers using all of these different subsidies for different reasons and whatever. It's like, why not? Like if it's available and you can get it. Right. Fucking get it. What are they going to do with the money otherwise? Send it to fucking Israel and Ukraine? Like, okay, I'll take I'll take that. I can use that to better my situation, to put that money back into my business or my farm or like whatever I'm doing. I, if you're... <laughs> the game is rigged. If you haven't figured out that the game is rigged, it's fucking rigged. And as soon as you understand that it's rigged, now you're ready to play the game because you have to be playing with the knowledge that it's rigged and that because it's rigged, you have to figure out how to game it to your advantage. Like that's yeah. that's where we are. Yeah. No, I don't begrudge anybody from like if you qualify for one of these government programs, taking it. I, I I've never had had that kind of position. The problem is, if she does, let's say she does qualify for like five hundred bucks a month in food stamps or whatever, then she's just going to budget that in, and it's gonna and she's gonna change nothing. And she's like, well, I got this program, so this helps. But it's like, instead of, like you said, using it to free up other resources so that two years from now, maybe you don't have to be on it kind of thing. Maybe you can be well in a, in a much better position than you were because you got this thing. Instead of just building it in as like this thing, this is like another sort and like this is, this is the situation. It's not going to change. I'm just going to keep taking this and using it and, and not uh, freeing up other resources to get myself out of this situation. 
Well, and that's so, the problem. We've talked about it before. Like, if you look at the the number of people who are making six figures that are in bankruptcy, like it's it's staggering. Like the the they say they they make six figures and are living paycheck to paycheck. It's like like you said, like they just they just budget that money in. Like they yeah. they have all this money, and so they just okay. What can I? <laughs> they approach it from a what can I spend it on? I've got all this I've got all this money. How can I? How can I divvy it all up to make sure that I have zero at the end of the month? It's like this. Right. Yeah, the they adjust works. their lifestyle. They adjust their lifestyle to how much they're making, and and it's like, dude, I don't know how else to explain it. Like that's just very short sighted. This high time uh, preference thing, where it's like, I gotta have everything now. Well, it's like you're gonna get a little bit more now. You make you make an extra, like you get a ten percent raise or something. It's like, all right, you can have like another uh really nice dinner every other week or something and you can blow that money and you can get a you know the fucking steak or whatever twice a week at a nice restaurant and some drinks or you could just live exactly how you were living before the 10 percent raise take the 10 percent raise and invest it in something that you know and understand and it will return more than that to you 20 percent to you and over the long term, you'll be able to have fucking a steak dinner whenever the fuck you want. Because you've set yourself up to have um, recurring monthly income coming in all the time, in addition to your other other salary or something like that. I feel like these people's parents need to have the conversation with them that I had with my son when he started working his job and we got him set up with a bank account. I had to, I had to explain to him a couple weeks in, I was like, the... The objective of a bank account is not to maintain a zero balance. You want to actually have numbers on the on the uh, monthly, you know, on your yeah. on your monthly uh, sheet that they send you. So, like, don't spend money on stuff that you don't need. I don't right. understand. And, well, and then this idea of just not being prepared for anything to go wrong. <laughs> Maybe it's just everything. I've just had so much bad luck, I guess you would call it. Like just everything just kind of goes wrong from time to time. And it's like, oh shit. Like, yeah, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect this problem, but I was prepared for it kind of thing. Like I, I'm just like, yeah, what if this happens? What if that's happened? I better have a bit of a cushion there. It, it's not that hard. You would think. Yeah. Man. Well, and, you know, talking about the nine to five, you want to look at the jobs numbers? Yeah. Yeah. Jobs came out today, got the non-farm payroll. The way they're spinning it is interesting. <laughs> they're calling it the Goldilocks jobs report. It's not too high. It's not too low. It's just kind of right where we want to be. That's and That seems to be a bad thing. Like if, if it had come in, because every... Every time they miss one of these projections, it ends up they come back and then they uh, a month or two later, they come back and downgrade it even lower. So if if it if uh, the jobs report missed by this much, whenever they come back and make the adjustment, how much worse is it going to get? Right. And so uh, we yeah, we've got one hundred and fifty thousand jobs which is a drop of more than 50% from last month's report. If you remember, we were like last month's report was such bullshit, 348,000. Um, that has since been revised lower. I think it was revised uh, uh, um, 
down 39,000. So it was 358 and they revised it down to 297 in that second paragraph now. Um, I think eight of the last eight jobs reports have all been revised lower, significantly lower. So there's hundreds of thousands of jobs being reported in the headline number that never existed. And it's just, it's just so obvious that they use this to goose the markets and then they low key roll everything back after the, you know, after we turn the page on that month. So yeah, this was a big miss. You would think that this would be bad news for the markets, but of course the markets are slamming higher today, stocks and bonds. The dollar is tanking because they, the markets think, okay, now we're going to get a rate cut. The rate hikes are over. They're going to start cutting rates. So the market addicted to cheap money goes up. And this is the game that we're playing now. Uh, bad economic news is good for the stock market. If that seems like something's broken, yes, it is. Um, we are addicted to debt. We are addicted to cheap money. The economy is crumbling around us. Uh, people are taking on, I, I think I might've sent you another chart. There's like 440,000 people or something with two jobs or more. Is that some, something like that? Yeah, let me pull that up. I've got it. Uh, there we go. The uh, 447,000 people have two full-time jobs. Full -time that's, not, job. that's not that's not a, a full-time job and like a, a side job or a part-time job. That's two full-time jobs. Yeah, and they're probably doing it remote, you know. So it's like they're working two two jobs uh, from home kind of thing which was a, a nice little scam people were running during the whole COVID thing. But yeah, two full-time, so 447,000 Americans are working two full-time jobs. And they still can't make ends meet. Um, it doesn't sound like the economy and Bidenomics is working all that great. It certainly doesn't sound like 4.9% GDP to me. Um, it's... It's a lot worse out there than uh, anybody in government cares to admit, which is why they keep goosing all of these statistics, to try to make you feel better and tell you that Bidenomics is working, yada, yada. It's uh, it, like, like you said, we uh, had that lady's budget for, for a reason. That's more like what most of America is going through. I got an extra 75 bucks at the end of the month before, you know, any additional spending on kids' clothes and things like that. So, yeah, jobs report, uh, disaster, missed estimates, 150,000. That would be considered abysmal in any other economy. Any other uh, honest reporting on that would be, this isn't even enough to keep up with population growth. I, I, I think it was like over 200,000 or something, or 250 is what you want to hit. Of that 150,000, 51 of those are government jobs. Awesome. Yeah, there you go. So again, those shouldn't even be counted because government jobs are not productive jobs. They're a drain. <laughs> like That means that we got to work extra harder to pay their fucking salaries because they don't provide anything. All they do is gum up the works and drain the system of resources. So awesome. Yeah, 51% or 51,000. 51,000. Okay, so a third of the jobs are government. How many people work for the government now? <laughs> 
it's i mean they're the largest employer in the nation yeah I, it's like 40 million people or something work for the government it's crazy so we have to support them and ourselves and yeah it's just you can see it's just breaking <laughs> like the dam is breaking every every measurement of an economy of a country of a successful anything any metric you want to use we are failing at in the in the US and it's like you're just waiting for this reality to hit people because yeah a, like it's just it's so insane to watch the the market react the market just shot up today right at the open boom skyrockets all these fucking things are going up except for the things that you would think would be going up like oil still down um i don't know what, where precious metals were at but like there's a lot of commodities that don't seem to be accurately reflecting the price of things so you're getting an, you're getting some interesting opportunities here if you if you can see the writing on the wall, the the markets have not reacted to this properly, in my humble opinion. So they're even as late in the game as I think we are, you still have opportunities to protect yourself. That's that's why I always like speaking of commodities. That's why I always like trading, doing commodity trading, and messing with like uh, soybeans and wheat and corn and cattle and stuff like like. There's actually a a logical supply and demand with those things. And you can kind of pay attention to certain uh, trends and things throughout the year and, and look at what's going on in Brazil and in Europe and in China and, and kind of get a good idea of what it's going to do and, and play that game reasonably. I don't understand how the fucking stock market works anymore. Like just regular stocks and stuff. It, it doesn't, it doesn't respond the way that it logically should. And uh, I don't, right. Yeah. I don't get it. Well, and that's, it's because of all the, the Fed intervention. That, that's why. You just have to think. Like For years, it was just buy the, buy the dip. Buy the fucking dip. <laughs> like, that was a joke. And it was like, well, what if this happens? He's like, dude, just buy the fucking dip. The Fed's going to step in, and they will prop up these markets. Just buy the dip. Buy the dip. Buy the dip. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Just buy the fucking dip. And yeah, that still seems to be the plan. You just buy the dip. It works until it doesn't. I will tell you that. I don't know when it's going to stop working exactly. But when it does stop working, it's going to be catastrophic. Well, and like talking about the commodity markets, like um, some of the some of the big like investment firms and stuff got involved in commodity trading for for a period of time back in the early to early to mid 2000s. And it ran, it ran the price of weed up and, and it was, uh, the ethanol, the push for ethanol was also kind of jiggering with the corn prices. And because both of those were going up, they drug soybeans along with them. And it also pushed the price of a lot of other stuff up, including land and everything else. And now, um, over the last, I would say 10 years or so, maybe, maybe 12 years, um, they've started the the big commodity traders got uh or the big uh like hedge funds and stuff got out of commodity trading because they ended up coming across a couple um like 
natural disaster type things where you get like a massive drought or a hurricane that blows through the the Mississippi Delta and Louisiana and, and across the South or like one of those things that you can't plan for. And it calls the markets to actually do what they normally do. And a lot of these, uh, these big like hedge funds lost their ass because they didn't understand how those markets actually worked. And so they ended up getting out of them and, and it's allowed things to stabilize. <laughs> like it was, it was interesting trying to trade and, and, and look at that at, at one time when, uh, when there were outside pressures that were, fucking with the way things should work uh, in in that industry. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of these commodity markets are rigged just like everything else. I the the idea that we could have 20 plus trillion more in bonded debt and gold still isn't at all-time highs. It's not as high as it was when we were $20 trillion less in debt is just tells you everything you need to know. Like it is just so fucking manipulated. It should probably be $25,000 an ounce or something like that. And we're not even at 2000. We're under $2,000 an ounce on gold. Oil's at oil's down to $80 a barrel again. Uh, it, it just, with all the inflation that we have, uh, silver, silver too is uh, not even close. Silver is half of its all time highs or something like that that silver got up to over almost fifty dollars did it get up to 50 almost fifty dollars in um like 2011 and and it's at 23 dollars an ounce now with record runaway inflation on on its way like they have broken these markets and yeah I, I, I don't think that, I mean, just know that it's rigged and it's actually kind of liberating. If you, people get so upset, it's like, it's rigged. It's like, dude, I kind of want it rigged. At least I know how, how things are going to act when you know that it's rigged. You should be able to play off of that. Like my entire day trading strategy is based on the fact that these, all of these markets are fucking rigged. It's all fucking high frequency algo, like all these algorithms that they have fucking coded. I'm convinced of it. And it's like, it's fine. It's like, all right, it's rigged. And now I look for the signatures of it being rigged. And that's my edge. I fucking play off of that. The game is rigged. And once you understand that the game is rigged, you are now ready to start playing the game. Yes. Yeah. Don't fight it. You can't fight it. You just, <laughs> yeah. You adapt to the, the, the game that you're playing. You're on, this is the chessboard. You can't, you can't start playing a different game. Just know that, this is the way it's going to be. This is the way it's always going to be. I mean, just think about it like from a logical perspective. If you were one of these like super powerful people, you're going to leave these markets up to chance. You're going to leave trillions of dollars to the whims of people buying and selling. Or like you could just have another country come in and manipulate the markets. You know, China with all their money, they could come in and just fucking do anything they wanted to these markets if they weren't rigged. But they are rigged. These people control them. They know exactly what the fucking price is going to be <laughs> at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. I'm convinced of it. And, and then they have these fucking algorithms that run throughout the day to get to where they tell them to be. 
That's just the way it, it's just the way it's going. It's always going to be that way. They're never going to surrender that kind of control and just leave yeah. trillions of dollars up to chance. And I think that's why you can see stuff like, uh, like the GameStop short and, and stuff like that, where some, some things in a, in a vacuum can be controlled and, and manipulated. And like, you can create a kind of a snowball effect with it, but across the board, everything remains very, very stable and, and very consistent. Yeah. And, and what happened to the, like, where's bed, bath and beyond today? Oh yeah. It's been delisted. <laughs> like it went to zero. It took a little bit, you know, they were able to like kind of manipulate it a little bit, put a little bit of a short squeeze on some of those big players, but eventually what happened? And, and don't think for a second that any of those, uh, any of the smart money got fucking taken out in, in those things. No, no. The the dumb money got left holding the bag. I'm sure they were fucking selling into all of those retarded rallies of bankrupt companies and then getting short when they got, when they, once they've accumulated enough of a position, they're like, okay, let's turn the switch on and fucking crush these guys. And they did. Yeah. You ever watch Billions? I do. Actually, I started watching it again just uh, like the last couple of days. Um, not yeah. a, I'm not a particularly big fan of the final season. Uh, it get a, gets a little too political and preachy with some of the stuff. But the first the first six seasons, especially the first five, were, were really exceptional. Yeah, I'm going through – I'm on the last season now. And it's like, yeah, once uh, – what's his name left? the ginger i mean he, he comes back i guess in, in this season but yeah he was gone after season five and yeah the first couple of seasons were were better but yeah it, it just goes to show you yeah there it's it's not just left up to chance it's not just like buying and selling pressure it's not um that's what they teach they they teach retail investors that they teach you the dumb money tactics and then the smart money plays right off of that like this is what we taught all these idiots to do so we're going to take advantage of it and do make them think that it's working and then just fucking slam them and there's a fucking sucker born every minute it's immoral to let a sucker keep his money all that kind of shit um yeah i I don't know what to tell you other than that like you said this is the game this is how it's played don't don't try to change the rules just realize what the rules are realize that this is how the game's played and then be the best at that game. It's the, uh, you know, the, the old adage, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Some people get really like, some people get really butthurt by that. I'm, my mom is one of them who, you know, you say that around her and she immediately turns her nose up and gets all offended. I'm like, mom, that's the world we live in. Like the, if you're like, I, she was, again, she was a preschool teacher and, you know, kind of, yeah, it's a really bad message to send to kids. I get it. <laughs> I get where she's coming from. I wouldn't be telling my kids that until they're of an appropriate age. And there's well, like, an appropriate age because I've been telling mine that for the last five years or so. And they're all teenagers. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly, but I guess you have to be careful with the type of cheating that you're encouraging them to do. I've seen a lot of videos just over the last couple of days of people like out with their trick or treating with their kids and they get to the take one and the parents stealing all the fucking candy. It's like, Jesus, this is what you're teaching your kids. Yeah, that shit's awful. 
Um, I mean, I full disclosure, I of course I stole fucking take ones when I was like an idiot little kid. My parents weren't there though. My parents were there, I'd catch a fucking beating. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Um, and in so, these yeah. videos, it's the parent that's like, oh no, just take a handful, take all yeah. of that shit. And the kid's like, wait, it says take one. And like, ah no, don't worry about it. And it's like, wow, this is yeah, these are this is what we're raising now. Scum no human beings. Yeah. Oh man. Hell in a hand handbasket. Hell in a handbasket, hell in a hand cart. I've heard it both ways. What else we got? Um, I don't know. What do you want to wrap on? We've got we talked about the uh well, I thought we did. The getting the flu shot and the COVID shot together is uh We did, yeah. We talked about that on on Wednesday. You've got your real estate uh transfer tax in Chicago. We've got the what's been going on with Ukraine, and then we've got the uh the debate team. And what is uh, speaking of the game being rigged, maybe that's the one we should we should close on. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> this this clip is fucking insane. Uh, this right. is let, let's set the stage. This isn't just like some random debate class or something. This is like the national debate championship, or I forget exactly what it, it was. Some national thing. Yeah, this isn't like just that. like one one class. Hang on, let me get the details here before before people just start thinking, oh yeah, like one little class debate class, whatever. No, no, that's not what this was. This was the national something or other. It would have been the first one I sent you. That was way too long. This is a shortened clip, right? Yeah, this is like a two minute clip. Yeah, so this is the um, national high school debate tournament. This is a tournament of the nation. So the best high school debaters. The country has to offer. Okay. Let's go ahead and hear some good debating. They have a white debater on their team, which inherently means they have more whiteness than us. We obviously know that JJ is not white. It's pretty obvious. Go down onto our pick. We give you three words why we subsume all of their protests and affirm their protests. In a pick, what it means is you are furthering their cause just minus the whiteness. As Rebecca is a vehicle for this movement, we say whiteness means really bad for representation and queer people, and it's a bad form of furthering this protest. The best way to further the protest is to vote for our pick and to affirm it, but minus the whiteness. They say that we're taking over JJ's labor, but first, this is a new response. If they read this response before, we probably were read a cap care about how you can't like use labor across identity lines. That's a really bad. I gotta cut her off. This is this is the problem with the, and this is why I don't debate people on the internet. I just try to piss them off to the point that they block me, because you you can't debate with somebody like that. Like that's not that's not a debate. She's just screaming, and whoever it's 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 become, whoever screams the loudest wins, and it's yeah. I I don't know what that was, I, <laughs> other than just like the most obnoxious noises I've heard in quite some time. I well, have that's no the idea. Problem. That's what the, the 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 entire. I don't even remember what the topic of the debate was because they immediately turned it into a thing about uh white privilege and diversity and all of this stuff and so the team that wins is the team that's doesn't have white people on it and and, and that like that, how does this make any fucking sense like what are we what are we even debating anymore like I, 
the uh, the other team conceded and just like accepted defeat because they knew they had a white person, so there was no like they couldn't defend themselves. They had lost. The um yeah, my understanding was I forget I thought the topic had something to do with trans. Let me see if I can uh, pull this up. It was trans something, and then they just refused to debate that topic because of yeah I don't know racism and whiteness and all, all kinds of that that shit so um yeah so this is the final round uh team a proceeds to tell team b that they will not be debating the assigned topic because trans people are being genocided by maga maga republicans and this is way more important than debating the topic and uh yeah, in the longer clip, like they started, they played a clip from like the '80s about an AIDS protest, and somebody saying like 28 people wanted to kill. You know. But anyway, yeah, it devolves into that thing, and then there's like this—I forget what they call it—with that rhythm. The uh, there was another debate thing that we played like maybe a year or two ago on here, where it was like the same kind of thing where they're like rapping, but it's supposed to be a debate. Like, I don't know what, why was she speaking so fast? Well, like, I understand, like, maybe you have a time limit, but you have to be coherent. Well, then, yeah, say something, like, say something of substance. It was just like, blah, 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 whiteness, blah, 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 whiteness, blah, 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 whiteness. I have no idea what she was talking about. None whatsoever. But goddamn, was it obnoxious. Holy shit. That's, that's how you win. It's how you win debates on the internet. Is yeah, you just nobody have can to be, take it anymore. You just have to be more loud and obnoxious than what wait. the other person can handle until they just concede defeat. Or let's play. Wait, maybe she's going to get to a point here. We got to play the rest of the clip because I'm a glutton for punishment here. Of I course. like pain. <laughs> I want to see if she actually gets because well, that was like half the clip, right? So she's going to get to her point any any second now. Um. Sure, we'll go with that. Hang on, I gotta pull it back up. The full, yeah, the full clip that I sent him was 13 minutes, so it goes on for 13 minutes. Um, before that, I didn't yeah, actually see a- the part that you're you're playing. I watched like the first five minutes of this 13 minute clip, and it was, yeah, something about AIDS and and transgender and how we shouldn't be d- debating this because they're being persecuted in society or something. Identity, we are not comfortable discussing our sexuality on a live stream with 130 people. Second, we say that, that like um, them telling us how we should represent our advocacy feeds into our link about racism because a white person, someone on a white team, should never be telling two women of color how they should be furthering their advocacy. That's an independent link into our whiteness argument that gets dropped. You can drop them right now. They say we should have read things about the about the Hall of Shame. It's an identity cave. We are not trans debaters. We don't, don't want to do that. Also, they don't put anything about women of color or queer women of color in their case, which means that they also link it to the exclusion. There's no independent offense off of this. Then, at the bottom, all these stuff about the Louisville Project, their racist rhetoric and using the black labor as a way to further their advocacy is inherently racist. It's an independent reason to drop them. They say JJ wrote the argument, but no, Rebecca is a vehicle of the movement. You should never use a white person who's saying the Louisville Project and using it as an example of their advocacy in order to further a movement. Then, using black suffering to advance at the tournament is just a bad thing to do. Then they say that, oh, um, that, that it's just an example of white person 
just shouldn't use a black person's suffering as an example of their advocacy that's inherently a racist thing to do and it's too late to respond to this argument final focus and it's the largest dropped argument there's also another dropped argument that links it to racism about how they're telling us how to represent our advocacy oh my god yeah so there was nothing of substance in that entire two minutes no she she couldn't debate the topic so she cried racism and said we're not going to debate this because it's racist and your whiteness and something about telling her how like examples to tell her about her advocacy or like what the fuck does this even mean <laughs> oh my god i that, I, re that I remember i remember uh watching a debate once and one of the one of the debaters got extremely heated about the topic and, and got very emotional about it. And the judges deducted points. They were like, you, you lost your cool and allowed your emotion to overrun the, to override the actual arguments you were trying to make. So you lose points for that. It's like, that, where, where is that? Justin, that I, oh, that's a woman though. You can't do that. Women emotional. No, you're being sexist now. And how dare you? How dare you? tell a woman of color that uh she lost her she's <laughs> a victim of her emotions or something she lost her cool oh you and your whiteness yeah that 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 is uh the best the country has to offer so future's looking very bright for for the u.s looking very bright not going to debate this topic because of whiteness and don't tell me how to do my advocacy or something God, I, I do apologize for the listeners that had to listen to that. That was, I, I, I can't tell you how bad that was. Just the sound of it, the sheer sound of the voice. Un nails unreal. on a chalkboard. Ugh. Yeah, that was nails on a chalkboard. And that is, uh, that's the national, national high school debate, ladies and gentlemen. So that chick's going places. She's probably the next AOC. She'll be in the upper echelons of government. That's where it is. They see AOC make these fucking TikTok videos that go viral where she's doing that thing that this girl is doing in the video and screeching like a fucking banshee. And they think, all right, this is this is debate. Yep. And I'm making great points. And I'm better than you because I, I, I'm unwilling to debate this topic because of its inherent racism. So... Obviously. Oh boy. Yeah. I don't even know why anybody debates anything. What's the point? Our future is looking super bright. Yeah. Yeah. Better get those shades out for the U.S. Future so bright. Always going to be wearing sunglasses. Good grief, man. And she's going to, she's going to get a college degree and something. Debate. <laughs> She is, is. A degree. <laughs> women women of color are the most overrepresented group in college degrees these days. So she, there's a 100% chance she's going to get a degree and immediately feel like she's entitled to everything that she's been denied. Yeah. She's going to get a communications degree. <laughs> she's I, already I so my, good at it. Yeah. Communications. With a, a minor in government bullshit, and uh, <laughs> yeah. she'll be a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt, 
And as soon as she graduates, she's going to be begging for loan forgiveness because it's it's racist and it's unfair. All right. And then, you know, 10, 15 years down the line, she's going to be writing out her budget on that notepad and she's going to have 75 bucks left over. Probably be divorced because her husband can't deal with the screeching. And that's the way that she uh, has arguments with him. Is A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody could fucking put up with that for a lifetime. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. We like might be being first a, we time might be, she uh, off on me like that. It would just be like, all right, see ya. We might be being a little hard on a teenager, but I mean that that behavior probably doesn't go away. There it's like you said, like instead of capitulating to that, like they just like they just ended the debate after that, is my understanding. And they and that and that apparently that was victorious or something. Like, no, you should be reprimanded for that type of behavior. It's appalling. It's terrible. It should not be encouraged. It should be, like, I always think we should maybe play this clip one day. There's this old Sean Connery clip. I don't know if you've heard it. He's being, uh, who's interviewing him? Ah, uh, shit. I'm drawing a blank on her name. Big name, big interview. And he's talking about how it's okay to hit a woman sometimes. <laughs> like How to slap a woman. And that's all I could think about while I was listening to her talk was like Sean this is like this is what Sean Connery was talking about this is when you slap him <laughs> oh my god yeah good luck good luck to her and her endeavors I, I apologize for all of my whiteness that's um, getting in the way of your advocacy whatever that is I don't know what she's advocating for they're always I'll, advocating for something yeah. I'll try to tone down my whiteness and my oppression. I'll keep it over here in Mexico. Whatever. We're hitting winter. I'm about to be ultra white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ, man. What what a country we have. I don't know what else to tell you other than like if you can't. <laughs> the good news is th these are the people you have to compete against. Like this is your competition here, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, no eight. Like we said. The game is rigged, know that, and then know thy enemy, because that's it right there. That's what you're going to be up against. So it shouldn't be that hard to eke out a living in a rigged game when you're going up against, you know, half the people are going to be like that or worse, just statistically speaking. So yeah, be better. Be better, and it shouldn't be hard. <laughs> yeah. All right, we uh, probably got to get, uh, yeah, what is it, 11.45? Yeah, okay. Coming up on time, you got anything going on? Uh, Other than your football game? No, no, not yet. I'm, uh, I'll am i have a live stream coming up sometime in the next week or so, but I haven't nailed down the, the details on that. The guy that I'm going to be doing the stream with is who I'm going to the ball game with, so uh, I should be able to corner him and make him give me, give me an idea on what our timeline is. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, not a whole bunch, a uh, whole lot going on over here either. Just going to enjoy this weekend. Probably get it started here a little early because with non-farm payroll, I stay out of those markets. That I will give some people trading advice: don't trade around non-farm payroll. <laughs> we in in my business, we NFP stands for not for professionals. 
It is truly just gambling. So yeah, non-farm payroll week, get your trading done on Monday and Tuesday. Take the rest of the week off. You can watch the charts, but do not, that is straight up fucking gambling. I don't care what anybody says. Um, yeah. Don't so, be tempted into thinking, you know, what's going to happen. Just no, you will lose your fucking shirt. Guaranteed. It's, it's, it's a coin toss with vicious, <laughs> vicious repercussions. If you're wrong, um, your stop loss will not work. Like if you look at the chart, like just right at eight 30, when the news embargo lifts, it's just straight up. If you had a stop loss on like this, the amount of slippage would have been probably 10 X what you were what you were budgeting in your stop loss. <laughs> so yeah, don't trade around non-farm payrolls. Know that the game is rigged and uh, stay tuned for more, <laughs> more investing advice on the peddling fiction podcast. Uh, don't give your money to fat slob retards that proclaim that they're not in it for the money when they're managing money. <laughs> Just don't believe that. How about, you know, I don't care what, what sort of regulations he's getting. <laughs> he's complying with when you get uh, like a 20 year old 20 something never really worked a day in his life can't get a haircut claims to have uh you know all of this crypto yada yada stuff going on but he's not in it for the money but give him a bunch of money yeah uh doesn't pass the smell test so <sighs> sorry i'm not i don't feel sorry for you if you lost money with him i really don't but yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back on Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.